days from a super secret location in a government bunker not to be revealed to anyone at any cost. Our guest on the Crosstalk this morning, who is somewhere else, socially distanced from yours truly, Jim Rumbalski from the La Crosse County Health Department. Good morning. How was your weekend? Good morning. It was busy. <laughs> yeah, was it? Yeah, and and uh, right off the bat, I guess I... The uh, question on everybody's mind is, how many cases in La Crosse County have we remained steady? We have remained steady. We still are at five. Um, You know, each day we have more people being tested. So, again, we expect that number to go up. But um, for now, we remain at five. And that's a long ways from being able to call that our plateau, our flattening the curve, or can we call the efforts of uh, residents in La Crosse County uh, successful enough to slow things? It, any kind of indication in that regard? You know, I when I look at the, I think that we are doing a lot of really good things here in La Crosse County. But I do just want to, you know, have a note of caution that in the state, since March 19th, we started, we had 155 cases, and as of yesterday. We were at 381. Now the number of testing um, continues to go up as well, um, but but certainly the number of positive cases is um, is increasing. So uh, clearly, with more testing, there's a potential for more positive uh, cases. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the state is getting sicker. We're just recognizing what's already existed. Is that correct? Maybe that also. Uh, uh, strengthens the social distancing, please stay away from your friends. You know, I think what's hardest about this situation for individuals is to realize we're not likely to have less cases than if we had a curve. The case number in total will be uh, about the same we anticipate it will be it will be out it will be stretched out and so we just have to remain patient and calm and stay course and, and and those who are not yet social distancing those folks have got to be really paying attention because um, we want to keep these case numbers low and steady for a while so that we don't have that spike I, I feel badly for those people who uh, and sadly many of them are college students uh, Maybe you saw the story over the weekend of that group of college students in Florida who uh, said uh, uh, as a group they didn't care about COVID-19. They're here to party, and that's what they're going to do. And uh, shortly after that interview, they were all diagnosed uh, as COVID-19. They are all sent home. They are all fined for not following the social distancing guidelines, and now they're all Uh, in the hospital with COVID-19, or at least uh, uh, some of them in the hospital, some of them quarantined at home, they all got the virus. You know, uh, those young people need to pay a little more attention. You're not bulletproof. You know, and I'll just say it is tough for us to swallow those kinds of behaviors. Um, However, we never want anyone to get sick, uh, no matter what behavior choices they've made. Um, so it is it is a tough one, but we really do have to be paying attention right now because we have to remember we could be the vector to someone else. And while the, the most dangerous situations are in the 60-plus age group, we've seen a large number of cases to include across the country severe symptoms in age groups younger than 60. So we do need to be paying attention. Well, and let's go through it again. I, I did talk with uh, a couple of people. I was out picking up supplies and and you know me, Jen. I am 
uh, absolutely willing to engage a total stranger just because I'm curious <laughs> about the stuff. You've got all this stuff in your basket. I, you know, I'm not trying to be intrusive. I'm just curious why this, why that. And, and in that conversation, you, I just wonder about whether they will continue to social distance to keep their uh, the group of family and friends that they spend time with uh, at more than uh, arm's distance yeah, they really need to f- focus on uh, essentials only then go home it's and even at that it's going to be what a couple of weeks uh, maybe a month before we see any kind of leveling off in the state and doesn't it have to come from the east coast or the east part of our state yeah, and again, I think we've reduced a lot of traveling, but there are still individuals that are doing that. And I myself had to go pick up an essential item at a store recently, and um, it's, you know, I walked into that store. I never touched my face very consciously. When I got out of the store, I didn't have a sink with soap and water, so I used hand sanitizer, but I still tried not to touch my face because, and I wasn't eating uh, because I need, you know, I wanted to get home to be able to wash my hands with soap and water. So those sure. are the kinds of things that we as individuals can do to be cautious. And I expressed gratitude at the store when I saw the clerk um, wiping down the the signature pad or the, the touch pad for the credit cards. Um, I think we're all doing our part. We need to all do our part. There are still some that are not, and we can't, you know, we can't make everyone, but we can just encourage and recommend because um, this this is something we have to pay attention to, and it, it matters to all of us. Right. Uh, two things come to mind. Steve sent me a text on our uh... Our Sugarloaf Ford talking text line, wondering whether the names and addresses of individuals who have COVID-19 who are uh, quarantined at home, should uh, those individuals be uh, identified so that uh, family and friends can and neighbors, whatever, can understand that you've got to stay away from these people? Or does that just fuel uh, more fear? Yeah, you know, we don't want to be causing stigma for individuals who come down with COVID-19. Remember, this virus does not discriminate, and neither should we. So when we release someone's name and address, that would really um, basically put a, a, a spotlight on an individual or a household that isn't usually positive. So our way of dealing with that is through contact investigation, having um, lengthy communications and interviews with the individuals to determine who they have been in contact with for a certain number of days. We typically go back to the day before symptoms began because we think that that could be a time of spread. And then we go through all the way through until when um, when we're talking to them at that moment. Um, so we, you know, we prompt them to make sure that we're not forgetting anyone. It's not an absolute perfect system, but it is a very good system, and it's a way to protect individuals that have picked up the virus, um, you know, likely not even from anything that they did wrong necessarily. So, you know, just remember, there's a reason we don't give out those names and addresses. Thank you for that, Jen Rumbalski. Uh, Steve, I, I can't imagine what kind of damage would be done if we started naming names and addresses of people who's, uh, who, who have the COVID-19 symptoms. That would, uh, uh, because as Jen pointed out, it is, uh, the, the virus does not discriminate. No, you don't deserve to know. You don't deserve to know that the guy across the street or around the corner has COVID-19 in his house. It, he's quarantined in his house. You're safe in your house. Uh, and practice uh, social distancing when you have to go out and you have to pick up uh, essential equipment, uh, items, food items, and so forth. You you deserve to be careful. That's